Welcome to the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnivale, and I am the Browncroft staff and producer of the show. I'm joined today by our hosts, Peter Englert, Director of Adult Ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, the New York State Crew Director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. And today's guest, Carl Binger, a mental health counselor. Today we're talking about why God, why am I so depressed? John, Pete, take it away. So, you know, it's interesting. I I feel like in the last five years, this question of depression has the volumes been turned up about 20 to 30 notches. And there's some Christians in some churches that are doing it better than others. And I mean, just, I feel like there's a more of an awareness, but there's still this cloud that shrouds it. And that's why I'm really excited to talk with Carl. I don't know, John, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I notice within the church space is that sometimes there can be this idea that what the way to deal with depression is essentially just put on a happy face, you know? And I think if that's the attitude we carry toward depression, there are so many people out there that are suffering that um, ultimately any message that we give, they can't hear if that's the only thing that we're telling them. And um, the weird thing is the, the Bible actually speaks to this at length. If you look at the Bible, like it's full of people with stories of depression as you hear about it. I mean, you go from everywhere from Jonah to Elijah, dare I even say Jesus with depression. And, uh, you know, just speaking with Carl for a little bit, I know he's going to bring a ton to this conversation and I'm just super looking forward to hearing his perspective on this. So, well, yeah. and, and one of the things I appreciate about Carl is he's really wrestled with this. And I love mm -hmm. what you said about the Bible. I feel like the Bible is more comfortable with depression and not trying to fix it than we are. Mm. And and one of the things I love about Carl, Carl doesn't give easy answers. Yeah. And so if you're going through depression, if you're walking through a dark season, whether you're at church or not, I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview. Yeah, agreed. So welcome, Carl. Great to have you Thank here you. with us. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's so good. Um, so, Carl, I guess the first question I would have about this, this concept of depression, is we as a society, we, we kind of throw this term around there a lot. Some people use it like, oh, I'm kind of feeling a little blue. I'm depressed. Or, but, but you know, and that can range all the way to, like, I can't function in life. Like, how would you define depression? Absolutely. First? Yeah, for sure. Um, so being a clinician, I would look at it from a clinical standpoint. And um, I think um, essentially if you're experiencing depression, you would need to have certain symptoms for about two weeks. So if you're feeling irritable, uh, you're having struggles with your sleep, um, you, you, uh, you're starting to not enjoy things that you used to enjoy, you're having thoughts of dying, like... If this is persistent and you're having uh, intrusive thoughts, things like that, there's a couple of more symptoms. But if this persists for a couple of weeks or more, um, you you start to meet a clinical criteria for depression. Gotcha, gotcha. So so it it's kind of this fuller, all encompassing kind of view. Like you start to not enjoy the thing when you say that. Mm -hmm. Can you? drill down on that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Um, cause I think a lot of people might 
might resonate with that. I'm Absolutely. trying to go like, okay, For like sure. expand on that a Absolutely. little bit. Absolutely. So um, if you're, you're dealing with, <clears throat> and it could be mild to moderate to severe, uh, but if you're, let's just say for an example, you're dealing with severe depression, uh, things that you used to enjoy, like from having a cup of coffee to watching a football game to reading scripture to loving Jesus, it becomes super dark. And I mean, like pitch black dark. So um, these uh, very merciful, kind things that God give us on a daily basis that we can tend to take for granted, they all become dark. You know, mm. taking a drive up the street, walking in the park, enjoying the ocean and a nice sea breeze is all dark. Can't enjoy it, you know. So, Carl, what I'm curious about <clears throat> is help me understand this. We use that word depressed a lot. You know, um, we're recording this the day the Bills are playing the <laughs> Dolphins. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, oh and um, you if know, they lose, there's going to be a lot of <laughs> oh, yeah, pressure. Right, right. In all seriousness, yeah. so how do you, you know, if I came to you and I said, mm-hmm. I'm depressed that the Bills lost to the right, Dolphins right. versus like, mm-hmm. I'm depressed and I don't know why, or I'm depressed because of this. Absolutely. How do you kind of help someone either maybe use that word better right. as a better descriptor or mm-hmm. even just move them to see what they're really feeling? Absolutely. I think just really trying to work through the intricacies of what they're saying. Like um, a lot of times, if it's like a situational thing that comes out rather fast, like if it's because the bill's lost, that'll come out pretty quick. Like I'm, I'm uh, you know, upset for this, this, and this, uh, very descriptive. Uh, but in terms of more like a, um, um, probably not the correct word, but a holistic depression would be just almost all encompassing and you can't really pinpoint uh, what it is that's mm. depressing you, you know, um, you, you, I think over time with the professional and maybe even just, uh, with time passing, you may be able to identify more what's going on. I think for me, it took forever to really identify what it was initially, but now that I'm kind of out of it, I know, um, there's a, there's a couple of things from, uh, my diet to, chemical imbalance to phase of life to maybe even some spiritual things in there. But um, a lot of times with severe depression or even maybe moderate depression, you can't really pinpoint. And that's what makes it even more depressing because if you could point to something that's depressing you, that makes it easier. Cause then you could say, if I just resolve this, if the bills would just play better, <laughs> then we'd be happy if they just win a Super Bowl. But with depression, a lot of times it's hard to pinpoint what it is that, you know, is getting you to that point. So that's a great segue. Why don't you just share a little bit of your journey mm-hmm. with depression? We'll probably ask more questions. Sure. But, you know, maybe, you know, when did you first notice it was a problem? How did you walk, you know, through it and mm-hmm. then kind of bring us to today, how sure. you're, you're dealing with it? For sure. For sure. So um, I think it started in 2006. I was a junior at uh, Brockport and I was uh, studying sociology and um, I just really started to feel uh, weird um, in a sense that these feelings were foreign to me. Um, I started to feel like I was in a fog. I started to feel like um, God was uh, distancing himself from me. Uh, my sleep started to get uh, troubled. Um, my eating was off. Um, I started to develop like uh, acid reflux. Um 
trying to think what else happened. Uh, a, a lot of the things that I used to enjoy, I wasn't enjoying anymore. I had took a trip down to see my friend in Florida and um, I was born in Florida and Florida to me is still like the Garden of Eden. Like I, I almost yeah. think um, historians got it wrong where the Garden of Eden was. I think it was in Florida, but um, Florida is just so beautiful. And when I went down to visit my friend on like, I think it was maybe like a spring break, I just could not believe how much I couldn't enjoy Florida. I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what it was, but everything from the the, the air, the, the air just smells beautiful. Couldn't enjoy that. Couldn't enjoy waking up in the morning. Couldn't enjoy scripture. Couldn't enjoy coffee. Couldn't enjoy uh, worship with my friends and uh, just prayer and just all the things that I loved and held dear to my heart. Couldn't enjoy it. And then as time went on, these things uh, uh, just became darker and darker and darker. And so um, as I'm, you know, going through my junior year, I was uh, in, <clears throat> engaging my friends, engaging other Christians. And, um, you know, I would talk about it. I would, you know, being uh, uh, the person that I am, I'd be transparent and say, hey, man, you know, this is what I'm going through. There was um, uh, a girl that I was uh, potentially dating, going to date. Uh, and I had kind of told her about this. And she said, you know, suck it up, like just just kind of suck it up, sort of. And, uh, you know, um, very, very godly person, a uh, very caring person, but just the words, just it just hurt that much more. Um, I had another uh, brother uh, of mine in Christ say, um, when I was telling him about it over the phone, he said, man, you're still going through that? Almost as if like I was supposed to kind of pray and read scripture and it just was supposed to go away. Um, the one that hurt me the most um, was, and this, this guy is still like my best friend to this day, so... But um, I was uh, going with my best friend uh, down to see his father, and I was telling him on our car ride, hey, man, listen, this is like the darkest I've ever felt in my life. Not <laughs> just like in my life, not as a Christian, just as a whole ever. And he told me that the reason I was going through this was because I was experiencing the great falling away that Christ mm. spoke about in the New Testament. <laughs> And I just looked at him like, what? Like, that's your encouragement? Seriously? Mm -hmm. Like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, God, if there was ever a time where I should have killed myself, it should have been this moment. Because here's a guy who is one of my best friends who is a Christian, mm -hmm. who has over time that I've known him shown me nothing but love. Uh, he's one of your children. He in a sense, speaks for you sometimes. If there was ever a time that I should have taken my life, it should have been after this. And, um, but I didn't, by the glory of God, I didn't, I didn't take my life. And I, you know, by God's grace, I kept going, I kept going. And um, when we actually visited his dad, his dad was very um, sensitive to my needs. It's almost mm -hmm. like he just knew it right away that I was depressed and he was just so tender and merciful to me. It was almost as if like Christ was saying, hey, listen, I know my children mess up sometimes, but I got other kids that'll that'll take care of you. And so like, it was just interesting to see that. And then my friend, you know, he still did some great things and still does great things now, but it was just a moment where I felt like uh, the enemy or, uh, you know, uh, satanic forces 
and just the flesh was able to come in and just say, yo, we about to, we about to hit you with a really hard punch to your heart and your soul right now. And so that was a really hard moment for me. And um, there were a couple of different times at school where, um, as I was kind of talking to you earlier about how God was using uh, unbelievers and believers, but I had uh, at Brockport, I had uh, this one guy who I uh, had classes with unbeliever. I was telling him, I'll never forget this. I could probably point to the spot where I was standing at Brockport when I said this in the parking lot. I said to him, I said, hey, I, I just I just feel like I want to give up, man. It's, it's, it's over. I'm done. I don't think I can like trust God anymore. And this non-believing guy said to me, man, don't give up. Like, keep keep trusting God, like believe in him. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, man, like you, you can't can't lose your faith, man. Keep. And I, I just couldn't believe it. Like and, and although I didn't feel the peace that would maybe typically come with something like that, I knew objectively that God was still doing stuff, you know, you know, you. So first of all, thank you. Um, but I think that you just gave so many people relief by even just sharing that there's people that follow Jesus that say really hurtful things without meaning to be hurtful. And I just think that's a gift because um, I don't care if you follow Jesus or not. Like I think everybody at one point or another has made a comment about depression. I mean, I think about this, like you might be the one falling away or, or just get over it or, you know, you just need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. So, you know, share with us a little bit more on how you kind of grew mm. from healing, you know. And one of the things I love hearing from you, too, is, you know, you you don't seem to separate spiritual warfare mm. from, you know, actual medical help and psychological therapy. Yeah. So, you know, kind of share with us kind of what how you walked through that season. For sure. I mean, it's it's even to this like to this day, it's really hard to do that just because we are, you know, mind, body and spirit. We can't really, you know, separate them in that sense. And so, like for me, um, you know, I, I really and truly believe that um, the origins of my depression was more like uh, physiological. Uh, but I think that as time progressed, it became uh, something that uh, the enemy uh, certainly used uh, to to put me, or at least to try to put me at a, a huge disadvantage. And so uh, for me, um, I really uh, had to um, use every uh, tool that I could, uh, whether it was um, uh, biblical or uh, scriptural. And uh, what I tried to do was uh, continue, and I tell people that I see to this day, uh, to journal, keep a journal, keep a journal. I don't care what you're going through, keep a journal uh, or keep a list of things that you're thankful for, because even if we can't feel God doing great things, we can know that he's doing great things. Uh, and whether that's someone uh, buying us uh, Moe's for lunch <laughs> or whether that's uh, someone giving us a compliment or um, whether uh, we're we are we're sliding on the ice in the winter and just missed a car. God, thank you. I know I I don't feel it, but thank you for allowing me to miss that car that could have 
caused injury that could have caused uh, insurance going up. Thank you, God. You didn't have to do that. So really being aware of that and really just keeping track of things to be thankful for to God all the time. Uh, and we're commanded to do it anyway, but uh, to, to, to really keep that, um, that, that really helped me to kind of, you know. I, I, I love where you're going with this, Carl. And just like Peter said, I just think you're, you're speaking directly to some people that are listening right now. And, you know, modern Christianity, sometimes we get this idea that we can't talk about certain topics, or maybe this is just something that God wouldn't accept. But I think the historical Christianity, it seems kind of like what you're talking about. I don't know if you've heard the concept, the dark night of the soul. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, is, is that kind of what you're you're yes. describing? Oh, God, is yes. Is it like yes. this dark night yep. of the soul Absolutely. experience? Absolutely. I would, I would. I, I would say there's several names for it, mm -hmm. uh, even much worse than that. Um, I heard someone call it, and I would say that I would borrow this name. Uh, someone I can't remember in a book that I read. I've read so many, uh, but there was uh, one person coined it a room in hell. Uh, you just literally have a room that was created for you, cut out in a, in a rock or a mountain in hell, uh, made specifically for you and you just hang out in there for the rest of your time on earth, you know, and um, it, it is super dark. And um, it was so dark that, you know, you have um, you, you can have very blasphemous thoughts towards God. Um, I know for me, I felt like an absolute reprobate. Uh, no one could really convince me that I wasn't a child of wrath, uh, that I was a reprobate and that I absolutely, uh, everything in my soul was saying, you hate Christ. I felt like I hated him. Um, but I, I, and I'd read scripture and it was hard. Like no matter what I read, it was like, you're a reprobate still. You're still a reprobate. You still hate Christ. He hates you no matter what. And so I think that hurts Christians the most when, when, when a Christian is depressed and another Christian comes and say, just read this scripture. And it's mm -hmm. like, you almost get, I know for me, I was just uh, so angry at other Christians who were happy mm. and had the joy of the Lord and couldn't, it didn't seem like they could really empathize with me because mm. they'd read the scriptures that I used to enjoy and tell me to read those same scriptures, but then they would only bring me misery and pain and uh, not promises, but uh, condemnation, mm. you know, and so... um I just, yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of forgot what your question was. But <laughs> well, I, just, no. <laughs> I, I actually want to go a little, mm -hmm. uh, based on what you just said, mm -hmm. let's say I'm someone, I come to church maybe once, once a quarter, mm -hmm. I'm open to exploring faith. Mm -hmm. Why, why can Christianity help me with my depression? Absolutely. Like why, you know, I, I hear terrible stories. Mm -hmm. Christians are judgmental. Yep. You know, you've, you know, confirmed mm -hmm. Christians can be judgmental. Oh, absolutely. So why, why go to Christianity with absolutely. my depression? Why go to Jesus? The, the reason why is because Jesus experienced it far worse than any of us ever will, ever will. Like not even, and I was kind of talking to you about this earlier, about mm -hmm. the, um, the description of hell and how 
you know, I think going through depression, um, I know for me personally, I said, there's no way hell can be worse than this. That And it's such a blasphemous thought because it is, it, you know, hell is, we can't even imagine what hell is like. And the most gifted teacher in Jesus uh, gave us illustrations and examples. And he's the perfect teacher. And like, he, like, he still didn't give us like that full picture. You know what I mean? And so we can't even begin to imagine what hell is like or heaven for that matter. But, um, I think that, um, uh, what was your question? I'm so sorry. I get <laughs> well, so into it. No, but. no, 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 no. I, I think you're doing, I mean, just to even your phrase, Jesus mm-hmm. went through it. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting. Buddhism mm-hmm. would say, you know, depression is part of this prot. Like it's almost, and again, I could be misrepresenting, but mm-hmm. Buddhism is almost, you need to go through depression. Like mm-hmm. I'm looking for it. Right. You know, Hinduism says, if you're depressed, like it's based on your caste system. Um, and I, I think other religions would say you're depressed because of karma, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. For sure. And and Christianity, so to speak, is this other, like, mm-hmm. you know, the way it's presented is mm-hmm. depression is something wrong with you. Yeah. Whereas the way the Bible explains mm-hmm. depression and just even what you just said about Jesus experienced depression mm-hmm. Like, I don't know of any other religion no. that kind of says he didn't go looking for it. It just happened exactly. and he walked through it. For sure. And and thank you for getting me back on track. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I think we forget this. And, um, you know, it's something I kind of going back to your uh, one question about, like, how did I navigate that was um, Jesus uh, was the man of sorrows. Like, that's his title in Isaiah. Right. And so. Um, uh, one one passage or one of the many passages that's encouraging is uh, Jesus in the garden, uh, in the garden, and uh, I think it's uh, Matthew twenty six. Yep, yeah. uh, and he says, "My soul is troubled to the point of dying." Right, like this, this, this perfect, the most, the only perfect human uh, was troubled to the point of dying. Like his soul, like his his body, everything, just like he just. To the point of I, I just I feel like I'm going to die. This is how bad this is, and uh, pleading with his father and feeling so alone, and asking his disciples to to pray with him and be with him, and they didn't even do that, and he suffered almost alone, and um, he, yeah, he knew it to the fullest extent. He tasted it to the fullest extent. Um, a lot of his prophets uh, in the Old Testament and New Testament tasted that depression. And um, I uh, wholeheartedly agree with what you guys have already said is that it's the Bible doesn't shy away from it. Um, I, I'm actually shocked that more people aren't depressed. I'm, I'm actually shocked that every single person on this planet is not depressed, like especially after the fall of Adam, like we should all be experiencing the worst conditions possible. But the fact that just some people are depressed or anxious or has PTSD or, you know what I mean? Like that, that's a miracle in itself. Right. Mm. But uh, yeah, we, it, it is not foreign to scripture uh, that we suffer. So, um, and, and that we should have a measure of, I feel like a lot of Christians these days fail to um, walk and empathize with people who have suffered because either uh, they have not suffered themselves yet 
or they're just very afraid to touch on the, the topic, you know, and that's a shame because uh, Christ tells us to carry each other's burdens and to, uh, you know, I think it's in, uh, I think it's in uh, Corinthians where they talk about the, the, the comfort that we receive. Mm. We comfort you guys with that. You know what I mean? And so um, it's, it's really a shame when as Christians, we don't come alongside and try to, you don't have to talk. You can just listen to the person, you know, that'll help. Yeah. You know. Oh man. I, I love that verse too. And I think it, it highlights the fact that we can't extend comfort in ways that we haven't been comforted. So mm-hmm. it, it requires all of us to kind of go to this space in our lives. Mm-hmm. If we want to be, uh, uh, something meaningful in the lives of others. Sure. As I hear you talking, one question that comes to my mind is suppose those conversations with your friends at that point, your Christian friends were different. Like, what do you wish rather than get over it, rather than whatever, you know, those other negative things, you know, maybe you're experiencing the falling away. Like, what what do you wish you would have heard from them in those moments? Like, what do you, what, and, and maybe that could be you, or maybe it's just advice to yeah. those of us that are out there that are wanting to be for sure um loving to the people around us for sure sure i can um i can actually give some examples of what people have said that was helpful yeah um a a, a non-christian person uh a non-christian said to me um and this was a person who was in the church for years and years and had like completely walked away from her faith we were talking and um, I felt close to her because um, I felt like she actually understood what it was like to kind of feel abandoned by God. And so I felt this closeness to be able to talk to her about what I was going through. And, you know, I told her, I said, Hey, um, I, I, I just know that I'm like not God's elect anymore. And it's causing me like severe distress, you know? And she said to me, I'll never forget this, Carl, if you're not God's elect, why do you care so much? If 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 you're not a child of God, why do you care? And she's like, I don't I don't care, but why do you care? So you must be his if you care. It's like, wow, this is an unbeliever telling wow. this. You know, um, I actually had um I had a, a Christian tell me that too, uh, a little bit later, but just saying, yeah, if you if if you care, that must be a God working in your heart somehow to show that you're still his. Um, I've had some other Christians tell me that, you know, if, um, you know, especially like going towards uh, like the medication route, like where it was like, you know, I'm trying everything. I'm praying, I'm reading scripture, I'm fellowshipping, I'm worshiping. You can't understand how unimaginably hard this is to do with the feelings I'm having right now. Mm. And it's not changing a thing. Like, it's not like I'm just doing it for a day. I'm doing it for weeks and weeks and weeks and there's nothing changing. And I had some Christians tell me like, Hey, it's okay to explore, you know, the medical route because, you know, if you have cancer or if you have stroke or these other physical things, it's appropriate to go to the doctor. Why wouldn't you be able to go for mental health? And, and that's one thing I think that's really uh, can be hurting us as Christians because I've heard it said a couple of times like um, it's it's 
it's okay if you go see a doctor for a physical ailment, but if you go for something psychiatric, it's of the devil. Mm-hmm. It's like how like one-sided or hypocritical is that? Like we got to take care of our bodies, you know, and uh, we got to go seek help if God has gifted these other people around us to help us out, you know? So to answer your question, if there's, if I, if I heard more of that on a consistent basis, Hey, there may be something else going on. It may not be a spiritual thing. Hey, um, if you care about these things, that's a sign of the spirit actually working in you, you know, that would have been super helpful, but it was more of the opposite where it was like, and it was just uh, constant attacks. It felt like anyway, you know. So I love where we're going and, you know, in a little bit, we're going to close up and this conversation has just gone really fast, which is what <laughs> I love. Um, but let's, so Carl, um, you're my friend and you hypothetically share with me that you're depressed or you might not use those words, but kind of, the words that you like, there's something wrong. I can't pinpoint it. You know, how can I best relate to my friend that's depressed Mm. that I'm not causing more pain? I mean, what were the words that you wish you heard? Mm. You know, what were the actions that you wish? I mean, just really, because I'm guessing if our listeners here aren't in a season of depression right Mm. now, they probably know someone that is. And probably, I mean, the biggest thing that, you know, you can do is just, hey, let me walk you through what you need to know and probably things to say or think about or questions to ask. For sure. For sure. And I think um, just letting the person talk, let let the person like pour it out and, and, mm-hmm. and, and carry that person's burden. Like we're commanded to carry each other's burden. If you're not feeling that burden then God is calling you to carry that burden to an extent to where you feel it and you can like walk next to this person and carry their burden. So I think listening to them and allowing yourself to be burdened um, with their burden. Uh, and then I think asking them, uh, how can how can I serve you? How can I love you? What would be the best way for me to help you? You know what I mean? Let Let them tell you like, we, we don't know, if, especially if we haven't uh, dealt with it yet. We don't know what to do. So let me ask you, how can I serve you? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and the depressed person may not know either. Like they might like, hey, this is foreign to me. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I just, I just know I'm suffering right now. But I think you could at least take some first steps in saying, um, how can I serve you? And before even doing that, just listening. I mean, scripture says, uh, be quick to listen, like, right, like slow to speak, listen to people, like, listen, listen, that's a gift to just listen and, and, and just don't be quick to speak into their lives, but rather asking them how you can help them. And I think you could start off in a really good place. Would you have known how to answer that question? If someone were to ask you when you were really in your season of depression, like, how can I help you? Would you have what response would you have given? Do you, can you kind of put yourself back there? Honestly, um, I don't. I don't think I. I. I just. I know for sure that I. I did want someone to listen to me, and that did help. Um, I think maybe uh, not giving me these. Um, just, just kind of giving me these quick fixes was. That, that was not helpful. Like saying, 
just read, just pray, just do this. Almost as if like this, this thing is going to go away instantly was not a good answer. So for me, don't tell me that, don't give me the false hope that this thing is going to go away quickly, but let's just kind of walk through a plan to get me to a better place. You know what I mean? You know, I've gone and seen a counselor and I don't know where anxiety started and ended and depression started and ended. I, I just, I can look back at seasons in my life and say, yeah, you were depressed. And, um, you know, even going back to John's question, you know, I'm, I'm risking even saying this, like, I think at some point you, you don't have to ask for permission. You just have to do it. And so the people that met the most to me, they just included me. You know, there's times when I've had crisis in my life. I, I just wanted to be invited. Right. Like if you're going to, if you're going to binge watch something on Netflix, like I just want to sit on the couch next to you. Right. Or, you know, if, you know, you're going to go um, bowling or if you're going to do that or like, you know, even just someone bringing my favorite coffee without being and like, I, I think one of the things that just really irks me and I probably, it irks me about myself, which is you ask people for help. They don't know. Like, so in some ways experimenting and like just doing things, I think is just so powerful. And, you know, I mean, you do that with the risk of saying, if I crossed a boundary, let me know. But I'm working so hard to be in your life, not because I expect anything in return. I just know you need something. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, uh, just like we, we always have to be looking at the example of Christ. And I mean, he just did it so perfectly. But I mean, if, even if you look at how he went after the, the lunatic who was cutting himself amongst mm -hmm. the tombs, he went out of his way to go get that guy. And like he he chatted, he talked with him, he cast the spirits out and, you know, he he spent time with this man so much so that the guy was like, hey, man, kid, like, can I come with you? Can right. I come with you? Like you showed me so much love and affection and uh, and and service that I want to hang with you now. And that's typically, unfortunately, I don't get the sense that that's. The, the service that these uh, individual Christians that are exp uh, experiencing depression are getting. I don't get the sense that they're getting that a lot. And and these are the people that they should be getting it from, you know? And so I think um, kind of going off what you're saying, Peter, we, we have to uh, include people, man, and love them because that's what our savior did. He went after people and he, he, he washed our feet. He went to the lowest of lowest. It wasn't just a, hey, I, I hope you're having a good day. It was like, no, you know what? I'm going to be a part of your life. Like, obviously, with your permission, like, I'm not just going to, like, come to your house without you knowing. But, like, if, if it's okay with you, I want to try to serve you as much as possible. You know what I mean? So we got two more questions. Just, you know, maybe, you know, in a minute, you know, someone's facing depression right now. They could be anywhere faith wise. Mm -hmm. What would be the first step that you would tell them to take? Um, I would, I would really ask if it's just really just what, what is, what are things going on with your, your walk with God? Like not, 
not not um accusing them of things, but just like, what do you think is going on? Like, can you pinpoint anything? And if they can't, you know, then I start to talk about other things. Like, let's talk about what you're dealing with physically. Let's talk about your mental health. Let's talk about your diet. Let's talk about, you know, um, the thoughts you're having, the automatic intrusive thoughts that you're having or may not be having. Uh, let's 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 dig a little deeper. It's not just a hey, it has to be spiritual and it has to be you're sinning in some way like job's friend said right you gotta be doing this and it's like no 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 it could be some it could be a multitude of things but why don't we explore this together and if you're exploring it in a um a friendly constructive loving edifying way the person is going to sense that too and and that's going to help them open up more too and maybe even be uh receptive to uh some of your uh correction that may come down the road you know so let me get super specific with you <laughs> okay um so just just so that people don't know um you're not sponsoring our show for anything right, right. my wife's a mental health counselor so mm-hmm. i feel like i can mm-hmm. at what point mm-hmm. do i need to go if i'm facing depression do i need to go to a mental health counselor for sure yeah if you're if you're starting to have thoughts of not wanting to live. Like if you feel like, you know what, my life is just, I feel like it's useless and and you're just plagued with guilt and it's starting to affect your like day to day functioning. I think you need to see a counselor, you know? And so, um, yeah. And, and if you, if you ever have doubts, if you're like, well, I don't know if I need to see a counselor, go see a counselor, you know? (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I think really, uh, you'll start to notice and just kind of be aware of like, hey, as things are just starting to not be enjoyable and I'm just in a funk and I just feel guilt or I just feel like a loser. I feel like I'm being accused of being this and it's just like automatic intrusive thoughts and, you know, um, or and I feel this way towards God and there's no particular reason why. You know what I mean? I think those are good indicators that you need to come in and, and talk with someone, you know. Yeah. Well, let's close with this question. Um, you know, so it's interesting, Carl, following you, our next episode, <laughs> we're interviewing Jennifer Ferrari about <laughs> codependency. So John and I just got free counseling. For both of you, so. <laughs> yeah, right. so I appreciate the session. Yeah. This has been great. I, listen, yeah. I love it. I love uh, it, man. Thank man, you, man. This is so great. Let mm. me. Um, so our closing question mm-hmm. always, John and I are going to answer this sure. uh, first. And so that way you can pick up the pieces for anything that we uh, messed up. But, <laughs> you know, how do we see, you know, Jesus engaging depression, mm. you know, and how do we bring Jesus to this question? So. Mm. Who wants to go first, John? You or me? Sure. I, yeah. Let's let's step up to the plate. Carl's <laughs> already done such a great job at this, so I feel like in many ways what I'm doing is just repeating some of the stuff that Carl's already brought up. Just the fact that that the Bible would describe Jesus as a man of sorrows, acquainted with suffering, like that in and of itself should tell us something about who Jesus really is. And um, it should also let us know that he isn't afraid to enter this space with us. Mm -hmm. He knows experientially, like you're talking about in the garden, he experienced the greatest sense of depression probably Mm -hmm. that any of us would ever experience. We we don't have a framework for the level of anxiety and depression that he was experiencing in his life. And so Jesus has been there. It's not just that he's this person who kind of gets it and kind of puts up with depression. 
we can, he identifies with us in our weakness. That's what it says in, you know, the Bible as well, is that he identifies with us in our weakness. And so I think that's so important for us to grasp in this concept, in, in this discussion as well. I'm, I'm currently studying Ruth one and uh, it's a story about, um, a woman named Naomi and a woman named Ruth and Naomi loses two sons and a husband and this is where I think, so we talk about the Bible being descriptive, not prescriptive. And, you know, Ruth one, the author doesn't give interpretation on Naomi's words. It just basically describes, I mean, this is a woman grieving the loss of three sons, grieving the loss that the two, her two daughter-in-laws have infertility, which is a whole nother big thing. And she the Bible is so secure and God is so secure that she's able to say, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means being bitter. And, and, and I look at that passage and, and I mean, the end of the story is Ruth ends up being part of Jesus's line. But in this moment, you know, the Bible is just so real. And that actually points to as in, you can grieve and be depressed so well that Jesus will come to you in those moments in ways that you may not have expected. And it's not, it's beyond the pat answers. And in some ways, God's not calling us to run from that depression, but to run to it in a powerful way. So absolutely, Carl, clean us up. Oh man. Great. I, I just, man, I, I love this. Thank you guys. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, it's, it's absolutely true um, what you guys are saying. And um, I think um, as I was going through the depression, um, some of the passages of scripture that I you know, just want to leave, uh, they're, they're the very words of Jesus. You know, all of scripture is, but uh, specifically in John 37 or John 6, 37 and John 6, 44 uh, and 6, 37, Jesus says, if any man comes to me, I will by no means cast him aside. And uh, for me, I just kept saying that to myself over and over again, that, you know, if I'm coming to Jesus, no matter how much I feel like it's uh, um, just a, a matter of my will, it's not, it's, it's the spirit of God that draws me to him. So he has to be there. So I would, I would say to the person who's depressed right now to keep going to Jesus, uh, don't run from him. Uh, your depression does not give you a reason uh, or uh, it doesn't give you an obligation to sin or to turn against Jesus. Like you still have a moral compass. So so go to Jesus uh, because going to him will, is showing that he's actually drawing you to him. And, um, and you know, he also says in six, John 6, 44, no man can come to me unless my father draws him. So if any man comes to me, I will by no means cast him away. And then uh, no one can come to me unless my father draws him. And then the final thing is in Matthew 26, 38, where Jesus says, my soul is sorrowful until the point of death. So not only does he draw you in a depression, even if you don't feel like it, but he's also been through it. And no one else, no other religion can lay claims to that. Jesus has suffered the worst for the people that he loved. And he understands on the deepest level how we're suffering and he loves us in it. Wow, Carl, we're so glad to have you today. Um, 
If you want to listen to this episode or any other episode, please go to whygodwhypodcast.com. We are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, Sharing is caring, so please make sure you do that. Also, if you're on the Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app, make sure that you uh, leave a rating. We want more people to have this. And so, Carl, again, I really appreciate you, and we hope that you join us again next time for the Why God Why podcast.